Thank you. Please be seated. I want to start off by a test. I, I know we're out of school, so we got to do a test, but it's a fun test. All right. It's called the awareness test. What you're going to try to do is there's these guys in white and they're passing a basketball. You want to count how many times they pass a basketball. Let's see how many of you are wide awake today. Let's check it out. This is an awareness test. How many passes does the team in white make? The answer is 13. Yes. Can you see the walking back? How many of you saw the Moonwalking Bear the first time? Great. A few of you did. You know, this is a unique phenomenon called inattentional blindness. That you can actually be looking at something but not be seeing something that you should be seeing. Do you think this is true in life? That you could be thinking that you're doing the right thing, focused on the right thing, but really missing the thing that God wants you to, to hone in on. Right now, we're in a, probably one, one of the most critical moments, I think, in America's history. Globally, we're seeing a transition economically, politically, with power, and we're also seeing a shift in the way we do culture, in the way we live it out. You're living in, in this transitional period I call like the dark ages, but we are on the verge of what I believe is the Renaissance moment, where it's a moment of creativity. And if you're not alert to really what God's trying to show you, you're going to miss it. And I wanted to just encourage you because you're young, and if you see it now, you can really shape your future in a way that's very exciting because the game has totally changed. I have four kids, you know, ranging from like 33 to like 27 years of age, and one's like a farmer in, in Northern Virginia. He was a hairstylist in New York, but decided to do more farming type stuff. Uh, others are creatives, they're consultants, they're speakers, and they're des design oriented. Um, but I told my kids early on, you actually don't have to go to school. You know, I said, when you graduate from high school, feel free to, to do whatever you want, but you don't have to go even to university, because I said, the, the landscape's changed so much that you really have to focus in on maybe a different way of looking at the ecosystem of our world. Because the language, the metaphors, the narratives have entirely shifted. So with my children, I started thinking, well, what could I give them maybe to help them figure out design principles on how to live out their life? Like, if, you know, not answers, because things are shifting so quickly right now that the answer today may not be the answer tomorrow. So maybe there's another set of ways to figure out what you're supposed to do today. And I call, I call them design principles. And I want to give you four that are rooted in the scriptures. They're anchored in the word of God, that he gives it to us to help us navigate the complexities of our day. So are you with me on this? Genesis 1. And I'm not going to read the whole passage. I'll refer to them, and I encourage you to go marinate on it later on. But in Genesis chapter 1, verses 27 through 28, he says, Let us make man or humanity in our image. 
And then he then goes on to say, be fruitful and multiply. Subdue the whole earth. Here's the first design principle to consider. It's freedom. Would you say that word with me? Freedom. Come on, say it with gusto. Ready? Freedom. Yeah, it's freedom. You know, you wonder, like, why would he establish this in Genesis chapter 1? Well, if you study the scriptures like some of you do, you know, you're students of the Word of God, you know, from an exegetical perspective, um, they put, put uh, text or pri- uh, principles in first positions often, the writers, to emphasize priority. So here you have Genesis chapter 1, in the very first chapter, a priority being established. To know, in fact, that you're made in God's image, the Imago Dei. Why is that necessary? Because for you to be fruitful and multiply, you need to know who you are. Now, this Imago Dei that's reflected in all of us isn't simply a physical representation of God, because how can God be confined just in one thing? He's not. Because even the Trinity itself we know is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So he can't be contained in this one form. But when he talks about let us make man in our image, what's he referring to if it's not physical representation? It's his moral character. And it's also his supernatural energy. I mean, I get chills every time I talk about that because can you imagine within your human body, you have divine supernatural energy flowing through it. You're kind of a modern day superhero. But do you live like it? Have you shifted your mindset in a way that I have supernatural, infinite power through God? And I can't be like God, but there are ways that I can reflect who he is, and I can feel his energy. I've prayed since I was young, your age, I said, God, as I grow older, I want to grow younger. I don't want to become cranky. I don't want to become cynical, and I don't want to talk about my body pains as I get older. I entirely want to focus more upon the excitement that I can have in you because we're supposed to be childlike. But when you look at Genesis 1, he says, freedom, be fruitful, multiply. You're made in my image. You have my power. Now, this idea of fruitful, multiply is like subdue the whole earth. It's not talking about subjugation of this dictator-like person, a demagogue, just crushing people with power and force. No, he's talking about like a loving leader who's willing to die for his people. It's the type of leader that everybody would want to follow. So subdue the whole earth, that type of reign is of a a benevolent, a kind, a generous king, a generous leader that would rule. So rule the earth, subdue it, the whole world's yours. Have you thought like this? Have you relegated your thinking to an almost just a local proximity when in fact God can have you really impact the whole world today because of just simply the internet. People that were unknown are now known. You can now subdue the whole earth. You can show love to all nations. Your calling is to free. I was thinking as I was sitting in your chapel here of of Luke chapter 4 verse 18 it said, uh, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is Jesus talking. For he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. 
Do you know you're never more like God than when you're freeing people? Freeing the oppressed? You want to know how you can witness? It's not just simply by your declaration. It's by your demonstration. It's not simply by your proclamation. It's by your presence. Being an activist who's freeing people. There's probably uh, the characteristic of God that often is ignored by some of us who are, you know, tend to be more conservative Christians is this idea of justice. It's just become politically uh, charged. But justice is at the heart of God. You know, you know how I like to define justice? Justice is the hard work of love. That's my definition. You know, it's about not just showing compassion and empathy. It's actually, I'm going to work on the systems within a city to change the game. Like, how do I give access to capital, human knowledge, financial, space capital, to people who don't have it? See, that's, that's next level. It's easy to talk, man. It's easy to, easy to proclaim and declare, but it's not enough. Come on. I mean, the world had texts in the Old Testament. They had words galore. People told stories about God, but it wasn't enough. That's why they had to send Jesus. Jesus had to become flesh. The word had to become flesh. And that's exactly what this generation needs today. They need flesh. People that carry the presence of God. Not just talk about it. I mean, come on. If they want to hear you preach or they want to hear a preacher, they can listen to you any time of day. But they haven't seen a person who carries the presence and the power of God. And the power of God is not just you preaching, man, or you using your spiritual gifts, even raising the dead. It's really you loving the oppressed, freeing the oppressed. This is the hard work of love. It's the stuff no one sees. You don't get attention for it. The champions of our day are not the ones who are often just public. They're the private people, the introverts, the people who keep to themselves at times, but they know that they need to do it. There's an urgency of heart. So don't be discouraged if you're an introvert. God uses introverts just like us. Freedom is a design principle of God. If you had all the resources in the world, what would you do? That's how I think. I told my children to think this way. Imagine having all the resources in the world and then just do it. And watch how God will supply all your needs. Freedom. Genesis 12 is the second principle. In verses 1 through 3, you find this idea that's called the Abrahamic Covenant. And he establishes this fact where he says, I blessed you so you can bless nations. So here's the second word that's a design principle. First one's freedom. The second one is blessing. Can you say it with me? Blessing. Now, another word for this would be generosity. Like, it is generosity. Just, uh, you know, giving. Now, when you think of blessing, usually you think of the word, uh, often when a person sneezes, we say, God Bless you. Okay, what do you mean by bless you? Have you ever thought about that fundamental idea when I say bless you, my friend? What the heck is that? So I studied it out because I'm always curious like, of these phrases that Christians often use that we have no idea what they mean. And so I looked it up theologically and I went through all the scriptures, you know, you do a biblical theological study of it. And it comes up to about four concepts that I think are really helpful. When you bless a person in the scriptures, it's this idea of seeing a person, knowing a person, 
affirming who they are, and, give, and then giving them access to capital. It's the idea of a father or mother blessing their children. They see them, they know their story, their legacy, they affirm their unique identity in this historic moment, and then they give them access to the inheritance. It's SCAG, S-K-A-G. See, know, affirm, and give. If you had any idea or no idea of, of what your calling was today, like you're thinking, come into school like this, like what am I gonna do? Because I don't even like the major I'm in. You know, what am I gonna do? Because the world's changed so much. You know, I've seen my brothers and sisters, they're not even in their major. What am I gonna do? This is it. You free people and you're free, and then you bless people. No matter what job you have, this is your calling. See? Know, affirm, and you give. You see, the attention that we often give in universities and our educational systems is really upon the idea of occupation. You're striving to get a certain job so that you can then succeed in the world. So it's all about this job that you want, an engineer, a lawyer, a preacher, a doctor, you know, whatever it may be. You have this job in mind. But I tell people, no, your occupation changes, man. Your occupation is just like a piece of clothing. It doesn't define you. You express yourself through the clothing. But your fashion changes, man. I mean, the mullets are coming back, I heard. But, but your fashion changes. It just shifts with time. So why do we focus on occupation? Do you think Jesus did? Do you think he's in heaven thinking, man, what's the number one job I could do to impact the world? Oh, I got it. Carpentry. Yeah, carpentry is the most awesome job I could do. Now, we know Jesus, he did many jobs. He was a winemaker. He was a rabbi. He was a fisherman. He was a teacher. He was a doctor. He says, I'll do whatever the Father wants me to do. Maybe we have a preoccupation then with our occupation when Jesus didn't. He was a servant. See, the focus isn't the occupation as much as it is like your calling, which is to bless people and free people. See, know, affirm, and give. You go, well, how am I going to do that, man? I mean, there's so many people, even in Minneapolis, I'm supposed to love and bless. I mean, how do I figure it all out? Well, thankfully, we have some models of that. The third principle is John chapter 5. In John chapter 5, it says, Jesus only did what he saw his father doing. Come on now. That is such a great verse. Jesus only did what he saw his father doing. You ever wonder what you're supposed to do? Well, you follow Jesus, man. How did he do it? He only did what he saw his father doing. Question is, can you see what the father's doing? How do you figure out that revelation? Being of evangelical roots and being from our heritage, man, the word of God is the primary source of revelation, which I agree, it's a key source. I believe in him. You know, my seminary training is all about the exegesis of the word of God. But could it be that that's one of the main sources? Could another source of revelation be one another? Of course. If we're made in the image of God, wouldn't it make sense that God can speak through us? That's why he says, love one another, speak truth to one another, encourage one another, make time for each other, because we hear God's voice as we hang out with each other. 
No matter how broken and screwed up our world is and when people betray us and hurt us, we still need to make intentional efforts to hear God's voice amongst our community. And then trust this fact. You'll hear God's voice often with those that are contrarian to your own cultural milieu. Far beyond your local comfortable context, which we're accustomed and attribute a lot of life and health to, is this other world of people we don't know that are very culturally different than us. The more we engage that, guess what happens? The more you know God. Because God is far beyond our greatest understanding. And that's why he says, when he says, love God, love your neighbor, he's not talking about someone like you, he's talking about someone not like you. That's why he told the Good Samaritan story. So when you go, it's not about diversity or just being PC. No, it's biblical. Love your neighbor, man. Someone not like you. See, Jesus was brilliant about this. You know, he attacked the religious institution in a subtle way. And the Asian thing is that way. Asians don't tend to go after a person frontally, you know, just directly. They tend to orbit things. You know, they just nuance it. They will never tell you no straight up to your face usually. They'll just kind of hint like, no, I don't want to really do that. But it's not a direct approach. So here you have this in John chapter 5. It says Jesus only did what he saw his father doing. This is the third concept. It's the idea of flow. You flow with the Father. You just flow with him. And so it's not only hearing God's voice, it's seeing God's voice. It's a much different way of thinking. And it's really cool to me because this generation is much more about image than text. You know, that's why Instagram is probably more popular than often for Twitter, depending upon the, the, the cultural context of a of, of wherever you live, mostly young people would more go toward the image side than just the, the letters, the fonts. It's the scene of things. Well, you can see God at work through people. There's a really great quote sometime, look it up, by C.S. Lewis. He says, man, amongst you when you're walking the earth are gods and goddesses. He's not saying literally gods and goddesses, but he says they're like that because they're reflecting God. So when you see this way where people are like gods and goddesses, but they're reflecting the image of God, not literally again, please don't misquote me, but literally as we respect each other as sacred human beings, what happens is there's a respect that grows, and you start paying attention to people. (laughs) You start listening to people because you realize God could be speaking to me now. It's crazy, right? If you start thinking this way, it's not just this person, blah, blah, blah. No, God may be speaking to you. And it's not just what they're saying. It could be their presence. They're giving off a vibe. I work in the consumer tech industry. I work with two VCs. One's the, the fastest, number one growing VC right now in consumer tech in Silicon Valley. So we have algorithms that scan terabytes of data every day. There's just tons of data. And, man, we just figure it out. We can figure out, like, what's the hottest company in the world. And as we do, man, I said, this is so cool that we can have a computer system do this. But now, again, next level, what's God helped us to do? With our own eyes, we can do this. We can scan a room, and I can feel an energy from a person. It's not, again, just new age. No, no, you carry an energy, literally a physical energy. There's electricity flowing through your body. Come on. How awesome is that? Flowing with the Father. The last thing in closing is this idea of you have freedom, you have blessing, and then you have flowing. You flow with the Father. And then you love. That's John 4. John 4 is the model of like our practice. 
Because, you know, again, in being in a, a, a church community, the biggest gifts often are preaching and then, and then dreamy, uh, like the dreams that we have, prophetic. But have you ever thought the number one gift is love itself? The model of this is John 4 with the Samaritan woman where he, you know, he, 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 he knows her, he sees her, asks her question. Then what happens? She goes back to the village and tells the village people to come and run towards Jesus, basically. And they do it because what did she say? Come and meet this man who told everything about me. In other words, come and meet this man who saw me and knows me. And the way you could deconstruct that is this. Hey, guys, you know I've been around with a lot of men before, and they physically love my body. But this guy, Jesus, he's the first one that saw my soul. I've never met a man like this. This guy looked at my heart, not just my body. That's love. There's no greater spiritual gift. Don't, don't kind of go after just the prophetic or preaching. It's, those are cool. But nothing as great as love itself. When you love the oppressed, you, you free those, and you do justice. Jesus lived by this. It was part of his character. It wasn't a PC thing. It was what you do as a follower of, of God. I close with this understanding. You know, I was... Uh, I often didn't look upon myself as someone who really could do great things. You know, I was just trying to survive as an Asian in, in a very white society in Arizona. And I was trying to prove myself, you know. So I had to prove myself in academics and in sports, whatever it may be. And so, you know, I, as I got older, I got involved and I created mega church stuff. Our church grew really big and fast. We did multi-sites. And uh, that didn't really quite do it either. And I remember this one guy came to church, and he was an interesting guy. He was a leader in Asia, a young guy, that would fill the stadiums, and thousands would come to Christ in, all throughout China. And so he's also uh, an, an entertainer guy, too. He did rap. And so anyways, he came, and uh, at that time, our church hardly raised their hands. It was more of a conservative nature. You know, if you, this, this, if you did raise your hands, we'd go, whoa, come on, calm down, bro. Calm down. Bring it down. But he went and he shared, and at the end of his message, he had an invitation. And he said, if anybody, you know, and then he says, before this invitation, I need to talk to Pastor Dave. And then he said, Dave, come here. And this is like during a service of a 1,000 people. He goes, come here. And I go, what? He goes, hey, listen, um, you mind if I pray for people and ask for God's healing? I go, man, I don't mind at all, but, you know, you told me you wouldn't do anything weird or kooky. And he goes, he goes I promise, man, I promise I won't do anything weird. I'll just ask for prayer and see people get healed. I said, okay. He goes, anybody need prayer for, or healing today? Uh, I'd like you to come forward. The whole audience came forward. I go, whoa, i never seen our church do that. This is like 10 years ago. I'm in, it's Monday, it's now past. Uh, you know, so the day after, I'm in yogurt land. I'm an introvert, so I'm in yogurt land, and I'm by myself just eating my frozen yogurt. It's this thing I do, man. I just enjoy my frozen yogurt, get the plain variety, just put a little nuts on it. This is simple, man. Just keep it simple and basic. So I'm, I'm in my little corner eating my frozen yogurt, and this guy pops in, and it was busy at this time because yogurt land was just start, starting to rise to greater popularity. So there's these long lines. 
So anyways, uh, he saw me burst through the door. He goes, Dave, I've been praying for you, man. I've been praying. You got like these amazing gifts of, of apostle and da, 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 all this other stuff. I go, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, can I pray for you now? I go, all right. He takes me outside. I thought he'd take me to a little alley. He took me right next to the line. Right next to the line, the long line. And then he did the charismatic thing. He put his hand on my head, and then he started pumping it. And he started pumping my head, man. And, you know, I come from a Presbyterian Baptist background, man. We don't do that. So he's pumping my head. And then he's praying loudly. He's yelling like there's no one else around. He's yelling that God would bless me. And I just got so embarrassed. I had no idea what he was saying. And then I heard a voice. Oh, Dave, you care more about what people think than receiving my power. Something hit deep inside me, and I just lost it. And I usually don't cry in a wrecked way, you know, but I was wrecked. I was just like a mess. And he probably thought it was all him, you know. He's, and he's, and my, my head's still pumping. And I'm crying now, and people are looking at me. It's my neighborhood, man, and they're pumping me. And I'm saying, but I said, but God, I can't do it like this guy. I'm not like him. And I heard something again. Hey, Dave, you don't have to. You know my Holy Spirit is like the introvert of the three of us. I go, that makes sense. <laughs> Holy Spirit's the comforter. He points to Jesus on the main stage and Father. He's like behind the curtain, his arms out there, pointing the person on the center stage. And I said this to the Holy Spirit. I said, if it's really true, if that's really true, I want all of it. Come on, I said, God, I want all of it. I don't want to live the rest of my life just playing a game, acquiring more things, and doing stuff that really doesn't matter, that the world sees as like, it's it when it's not. I want to be fully aware of your presence and power, and I want to experience it in a non-religious way, but in a way that can affect the marketplace, that can affect governments and countries and nations, a way of love. I want that, God. May God bless each of you today. As you experience this God of love, may he show favor upon you. May you experience it in fresh, bold ways. Be free and free. Bless and be blessed. Flow with the Father and then love that one. In Jesus' name, amen.